Might, a little bit. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Jamie with Madlit Musings. And today I'm super excited because we have with us a new author. Um, well, new to Madlit Musings author, I should say. Um, we have Kathleen Denley with us today. Hi, Kathleen. Nice to be here. Oh, it's so nice to have you here. And you are an author of several historical romance novels and a couple novellas. So um, not wanting to give anybody the impression that you're a new author as in <laughs> debut, <laughs> your experience. But I'm just really excited to have you here because we haven't had a chance to chat before. So this is this is pretty neat. So. Oh, thank you. I honestly, I still feel kind of new. Maybe it's because I'm still in my first series, but I don't mind being called new. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny because I was talking with somebody the other day about that because, you know, I think I'm on my, I think I've written my 10th or 11th book now that I've submitted and I still feel like I'm a rookie because I'll talk to people like, you know, Kimberly Woodhouse or or somebody like that. And they're like, oh, I've written like, you know, 30 some books, 40 some books. And then I talked mm -hmm. to Tracy Peterson. She's like, oh, I think I'm on 135. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Compared to them, definitely yeah. still a yeah. rookie. Yeah, we can just we, we'll just sit in the rookie stands with each other and cheer each other on. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I love it. And so, all of your books that you have out right now are historical romance. Am I correct? Yes, that is awesome. correct. Great. And you have a new book that has um, just released in May called "Murmur in the Mud Caves," um, mm -hmm. and it's book four in the Chaparral Hearts series. Yes, that's right. It's awesome. the fourth full-length novel, and there's two novellas to go with the series. Okay, oh, that's that's so great. Well, tell us a little bit about the series and this specific book, and then we'll get started and chat about story because it's always fun. Sure. So, Chaparral Hearts is all connected by the location. First of all, it's primarily set in San Diego County, and then secondly. Uh, characters who were secondary characters in a previous book become main characters in a following book. So you can read them as standalones. I try to make sure that um, that you get a full and complete story and that you get enough of the back of the series to fully understand the story within one book. But um, I always recommend reading in order. That's just my preference as a reader, so I recommend it as an author. I will say the only one that you cannot read or I strongly recommend against reading out of order is the second novella. It's an interquel novella, which is set between books one and two. And the reason for not reading that one out of order is because the heroine of that one was the character readers love to hate in the first book. Ooh. And you get to see pivotal climax scenes from the other perspective. And Got so it. you'll get spoilers of book one if you read the Interquel novella first. Okay. All right. Is there a place that you have the um, actual lineup of the books that you've written kind of in, in chronological yes. order? Yep. I have them listed inside all of both of my novellas. And I also have them listed on my website. Um, awesome. I have it listed both in chronological order for the story as well as in release order. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Now, um, and I might not be pronouncing it quite right. I know I was trying before, before we came on, but so it's Chaparral, is that an area? Like, is that a, a town or a So it's a biome. It's the primary biome of San Diego County. There are a lot of uh, climates in San Diego. We've got the coast, we've got the mountains, we've got the desert, and we've got Chaparral. Chaparral kind of bleeds into all of that. There's coastal Chaparral, mountain Chaparral, desert Chaparral, valley Chaparral. <laughs> That, uh, that is the uniting thing about all the books. So that's what we went with. Oh, that's cool. So are each, is each story kind of in one of those areas then as far as the actual? Um, I tried to take readers on a journey through each of those locations. 
so far we've been through the coast, the old town, the valley, the mountains, and now we're out in the desert. I was going to say, wait, now we're near mud caves. So tell me a little bit about Murmur in the mud caves. That sounds like such a fun title. Yes. When I found out about these, I was like, I have got to put these in a book. They are super unique. In fact, I'm not aware of them existing anywhere else in the world. Um, what they are in layman's terms is mountains of dried mud that when it rains, it forms structures like slot canyons and mud arches and mud caves. Okay. So it's very unique. And the thing about these is that they can be somewhat unstable. Uh, there are known deaths having happened in that area due to the instability. And this is more so the case when it's rainy season and things are softened. But it can also be the case in the middle of the uh, summer because the tops of the mountains are kind of like walking on a frozen lake, but you can't see how thick the ice is. So you might think you're standing on a solid mud formation when in fact you're standing on something that's this thick and you go right through. And when wow. you go through, it causes an avalanche that buries you. That just so, not Yeah, there's sound... been at least one death from that. So they, the rangers very strongly discourage walking on top for oh, obvious Yeah, yeah. It's like a completely different form of, well, it's not really quicksand, but it kind of has that same feeling. Effect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either way, you're suffocated, so... Yeah. Yeah. So when I went there for my research trip, we did not go on top. We stayed in the safest areas we could. And we went when it was uh, dry enough and it had been several weeks since rain that we knew it okay. wasn't unstable. Mm. <laughs> or at least wow. At least unstable it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think you might be right. Cause I have never in my life heard of mud caves before. Not, I mean, I've heard of mud in caves, but the caves <laughs> not being made of mud. So that's, that's yeah. really intriguing. Okay. That's awesome. So yeah, a lot of the reviewers are commenting. They've never heard of it yeah. and that they really enjoyed getting to see it in the book, but they don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's always fun to learn new things. And, and when you're, you know, a historical romance reader, so many times we, we seem to visit a lot of typical places because those were the places that were the most populated when the stories are written mm -hmm. so it's fun to see places like this where you're just like whoa that was unexpected <laughs> yeah and that's something I work really hard to do with my novels is I try to find something that hasn't been commonly discussed or made known okay. um, not only with the locations but also with the historical events I look for those little nuggets that aren't you know mainstream knowledge yeah yeah that's awesome Okay, so you have a story here where we have um, Gideon Swift. He is a visually impaired Civil War veteran. And this is like at least a decade after the war, correct? About a decade after he leaves the war. Yeah, it's 1873. Okay. Wait. Yeah, 1873. Sorry, I had to think about it because the one I'm working on right now is 1874. Uh, <laughs> all yeah, right. So it's 1873 and he's reached that stage in his recovery from his war injuries that he knows this is as good as it's going to get. And okay. he's coming to terms with what to do with his life as a result. Okay. All right. And then he meets Bridget or Biddy Davidson, who mm -hmm. looks like she's reuniting with her birth family. So tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So that interquill novella I mentioned, that's where you find out how she got separated from her birth family. Okay. Um, or at least how she got connected with her adoptive parents. Um in a nutshell, her dad took her older siblings away in the middle of the night and just mm. disappeared. 
Okay. And so she hadn't heard or seen from them in 18 years. And then she gets a letter at the beginning of this novel from her sister saying, hey, I need help, mm. essentially asking for a loan because somehow she knows that Biddy's been adopted by wealthy parents. And Biddy decides that, well, I'm not just going to send her money. I'm going to take it to her myself. <laughs> and then she gets there and finds out her sister's in much worse straits than she realized. Uh, all right. So that's the impetus for the story right there. <laughs> yeah I love that I love that and then you have um Gideon who um I, I like I'm reading the back cover copy here and it says when he arrives to find his employer murdered the ranch turned to ashes and three young women struggling to survive in the mm -hmm. unforgiving Borrego desert he must decide whether his presence protects them or places them in greater danger yeah he's very worried about his medical condition putting other people in right. danger so when he accepted he accepted a job, an advertised job from uh, Biddy's birth father to just cook at the ranch. And he thought, I can do cooking. Cooking doesn't put anybody in danger. If I get a migraine that knocks me out, you know, it's not going to put anybody in danger. So this is a safe place for me. Mm -hmm. And then he gets there and the ranch is burned down. And there's instead of a bunch of ranch, male ranch hands to take care of by cooking, mm -hmm. he finds that there's these women who, um, one of which very much does not want him there. <laughs> And uh, he's he's in a quandary. He's like, yeah. I'm worried that my condition is going to put them in danger. But at the same time, I can't leave them alone out mm -hmm. here. And they keep stubbornly refusing to go back to civilization. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I was just reading a book. Um, gosh, I thought I had it right here in my desk. But it's a book about two sisters who left um, Michigan. And um, one of them actually um, pioneered to Kansas with two or three other women and they did it as a group of women and they lived in, you know, one of those um, mud shanties and, and yeah. such. And I was, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that and I was like, just the women that really did actually carve a life out of these times. And people think that's romanticized, but it's really not. It actually happened. Absolutely. And there are definitely records of women running their own ranches mm -hmm. fully successfully on their own. Um, but still the mindset at the time was that was unusual and not the accepted norm. And right. so his, he was raised, you take care of women. And so his chivalry comes out. And so that these women, as you will read in the story are very much capable of taking care of themselves for the <laughs> most part. Um, two of them are Biddy included, um, are, uh, very much fish out of water. And so they're kind of learning as they go, mm -hmm. but they're tough, they're fast learners and they persevere. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay, so let's go into the question. You have a visually impaired Civil War veteran. And like we were talking a little bit before we started recording, um, that's not to be confused with him being blind. So right. I'll have you explain that a little bit. And then tell me um, what made you outside of, you know, the potential of adding difficulty to a story? What made you want to have a hero with with a, um, a physical ailment or handicap? Or so what's the word? <laughs> There's a lot of ways to come at the answer of this, but I'll start with um, his impairment. So in the war, he had a concussive incident, which left him with loss of visual peripheral, peripheral vision and with chronic rep repeating migraines. There's um, a lot of the times they're called ocular migraines okay. um, mm -hmm. or aura migraines. And part of his symptoms is that when he gets them, they very much, um, it'll sometimes start with like a squiggly, like a blurred squiggly in his vision. And then it'll proceed to like fully blurry mm. and it will get so bad that he's 
throwing up and lightheaded and have to lay down. And like, there's this, a lot of people who don't suffer with migraines don't realize how bad they can get. Oh yeah. And so for him, they're very debilitating. So like yeah. some of the worst ones will knock him out for four days in a row. Um, and the reason that I was interested in writing that is twofold. One is that but like, like we were talking, there's a very much a stereotype of what the rancher in that area was. He was mm -hmm. strong. He was big. He was healthy. He was always handsome, of course, in these books. <laughs> I kept the handsome part, but okay, good. <laughs> he is not. He is not those things mm -hmm. at the moment, or at least he doesn't think of himself that way. Sure. And so I was thinking, like this this person who was raised to think he has to fit these certain things, and now he's faced with this chronic illness that kind of takes that away from him. Mm -hmm. How does he adjust to that? Yeah. And so from a writer perspective, I was intrigued in exploring that um, from both a survival aspect and also a spiritual aspect. Mm. And then on a personal level, I suffer from migraines. They're okay. not always as bad as what I gave him, mm -hmm. but some of them have been. Um, fortunately, mine seem to be restricted to my menstrual cycle. Okay. So they're not constant. I usually get them about the first week before my period. Mm hmm um, but they can be very bad. And I've had some ocular ones and they are nothing, nothing to shake a stick at. <laughs> they are, they are nasty things. And so, um, I was able to really relate with what he was going through. Yeah. I also have friends and relatives who've had much, much worse migraines than me. And I've seen their suffering and what they've done to take care of that. And so mm -hmm. I just kind of used a combination of my own experiences and the experience of my friends and family to, feed into what uh, Gideon goes through. Yeah. Well, and I think that's important. Um, I, it sounds, you know, I've had people be like, cause I, I'll get migraines too for, cause I have a chronic, um, chronic illness and you get migraines with those and I'll have people like, oh, you just take some Tylenol <laughs> or you just have yeah. a headache. And I'm like, no, there's a difference between a headache versus a migraine and very much so walking across a room can feel like climbing Mount Everest on those days. Absolutely. Yeah. And I didn't have migraines until I had kids. Okay. My migraines started after my first delivery. Mm. And so before that, I was one of those people who was like, I don't get it. Just, just take some medication. Why, why are you making yeah. such a big deal out of this? Mm -hmm. Now I look, fortunately I can say I was young and didn't know better. <laughs> now I look back and I go, Oh, probably should have been a little more considerate and compassionate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's how it is with a lot of, a lot of illnesses. Um, and struggles that are physical that the ones that we don't see the ramifications of, like if you're not wearing a cast or you're not mm -hmm. using a cane or a walker or some sort of a device to help you be mobile, then for some reason we'll kind of just like, Oh, we'll just tough it up, suck it up. And it, it gets yep. downplayed. Yeah. And actually I've been struggling with a lot of health issues this last year, mm -hmm. um, kind of kicking off with a shoulder impingement injury that I got last May as a result of actually spending too much time on the computer, mm. um, which was so debilitating. I was in bed for six weeks Oh, um, and there's a whole story there, but it's really funny because I feel like God knows what we need before we need mm. it because I was in the middle of writing Murmur in the Mud Caves when that happened to me. <laughs> and I literally finished writing the second half of the book on my back in bed, dictating mm -hmm. to my teenagers, or eventually when I got the software dictating to a software that could type it for me. Wow. And it's just, it's amazing when I read some of the reviews from readers who make comments about the theme mm -hmm. and the things that they get from it. And I'm like, 
those are all lessons I needed over this last year. And somehow God put them in there without my even being conscious of it. So I love that part of this story. Well, and God has a way too of like when, you know, I'm, I'm learning to pick my themes carefully because God has a way (laughs) of being like, oh, that's your theme. Okay. Let me throw a few instances at you. Yeah, you know, I've had like, a little bit of that in the past, but this was <laughs> this was on a whole other level. <laughs> oh, oh man, that's not fun. Okay, so I think it's really cool that you have a hero that is not necessarily your atypical alpha male hero with you know the big muscles and all that. I, I'm glad. I, I'll say I'm glad he's handsome though. I mean, it's nice to have well, a handsome. If hero. you think about it, if we're telling the story from the point of view of the heroine, when is he not going to be handsome? This is true. I don't think the people we love are attractive. This is true. This is very true. And it doesn't matter what size or appearance they have. Whatever Mm -hmm. it is, we find it attractive. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Okay. And then we have Biddy who is coming from quite a dysfunctional past, really. Now, does she have any any, uh, memory of being abandoned or was she too little to recall that or? She does. Okay. Because it was so traumatic. She mm-hmm. was only four, so she okay. only has bits and pieces of memories, but she has one or two memories from before they left, and then she remembers the next, the morning waking up with her mom sobbing okay. and the mm-hmm. family being gone. Uh, I don't really go into a whole lot of detail on that morning mm-hmm. in the story, I'm trying to remember if I even actually go into it. Okay. Um, I do go into one of the other memories that she had, but um. One of the things that I've learned through my work with the foster care system is that kids, when they are severely traumatized at a very young age, have shockingly good memories, mm-hmm. good in quotations here, um, right, right. Of, of when they were young and you would think there's no way they can remember that, but yeah, they remembered it, mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely leaves an imprint on your mind. I was adopted as well. Um, I was a baby, but oh, I didn't you know, know that. yeah, yeah. But even then, with adoption, even as an infant, there's there's still, uh, lack of a better word, hangover um, trauma from just the concept of of not having bonded and gone from, you know, hospital staff to foster care, from foster care to the the facility and then to new parents who then you know when I was born yeah. I was telling somebody the other day I said in when I was born in the 1990s what? Uh, <laughs> but you know seriously when I was when I was first born it was the excitement of adoption was then to bring the child and pass the infant around to everybody so there you know now we I think we've learned a lot that you know in infant adoption especially you you don't do that Absolutely. until they've they've yeah. hit bonded um and so yeah just all the different things that hang over even as an infant I think are under underwhelmed Mm -hmm. by um society not realizing that that's that's stuff that these kids remember yeah absolutely um I've I actually adopted my daughter who is now seven and um she was partially the inspiration for the heroine in book two of this series okay because she had a traumatic event happen to her before we adopted her, mm. which left her with physical scars, which mm. I'm sure when she gets old enough to talk about it, will probably have some emotional yeah. scars to go along mm. with them. Sure. Um, and so I kind of took that idea of someone with those kinds of visible mm-hmm. differences and how they would be treated and how they would interact in the 1850s. Yeah, and uh, that's where the inspiration for that novel that was Sing in the Sunlight. That's okay. where that came. From. Okay, mm, that's great. 
So it sounds like in your books, you like to tackle some of the, the deeper issues of, of characters and personalities. What, what makes you, why do you think that's important? I guess, what makes you want to go there? Um, you know, I think I'm learning a lot about myself as I write these books. And um, it's just always been a really strong passion of mine to help people see themselves through God's eyes instead mm-hmm. of the world's eyes, mm-hmm. because I think that's something that I've always struggled with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so much easier to listen to the people around you saying you should be this or you should do that or you, you know, you're wrong for not doing this or whatever, mm-hmm. instead of listening to the word and saying, well, but the Bible says this, you know, uh, you know, the Bible says I am wonderfully made. The Mm -hmm. Bible says God knows my days. The Bible says God loves me Mm -hmm. unconditionally, you know, uh, and I am forgiven. And so it's just, I'm hoping that by exploring characters who are also struggling with their self-identity, Mm-hmm. that readers will relate in a way that helps them maybe turn a little bit more toward the scripture and how God views them and yeah. feel more validated in their self-worth. Yeah, absolutely. Christ. Absolutely. I think that's great. Well, I love that you're writing books like that and that you have got quite a few books that people can find and read. So it's not just this one, but you've got a whole series and more beyond. So how do readers find out about you and about the books that you've written and, and where do they go? Well, I have my website right up here, <laughs> KathleenDenley.com. Mm-hmm. And um, if you have trouble remembering how to spell my last name, I came up with a little sentence, dogs escape nice little yards. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I get that last name spelt wrong. But if you spell my name correctly, you will find me. As far as I know, I'm the only Kathleen Denley that exists. So... <laughs> Well, that helps. That helps. Yeah. And we won't be mixing you up with anybody. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to add that if you do go to my website, be sure you look for the Kathleen Three Years Club. That's my newsletter. And if you sign up for that, you get access to my KRC freebie library where there's lots of printable giveaways, short stories, videos, ex- exclusive stuff. But the most exciting thing people, uh, readers like to hear about is that I offer my prequel novella Ribbons and Bows for free to my KRC mm. subscribers. Awesome. So definitely go and check that out. Perfect. Yeah, check that out because it's always fun. You know, I never want to downplay an artist's time by rejoicing over free because I know (laughs) there's a lot of work that goes into those. But at the same time, it's really nice that it's offered because it gives you an idea of how the author writes and how much you're going to connect to their stories and such. So that's really exciting. That's exactly the idea is that if people haven't heard of me and they're a little bit hesitant to sink some money in, Mm -hmm. they can go down that load, go download that for free <laughs> and uh, get a taste of my writing style and see if it fits them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you've got great covers on your book. So I'm always a cover, a cover lover. So if the cover looks great, the book's got to be great. I mean, to me, that's just an equation that goes hand in hand. So <laughs> yeah, I've been very blessed by the designer that my publisher hired. I yeah. absolutely love my covers. Yeah, they're, they're great. They're great. Well, Kathleen, this has been super fun having you on and it's been fun getting to know you and hear your heart behind your story is not just about your story, but um, the story behind the story. And um, looking forward to reading your books and, and maybe having you on again in the future. I would love to. This is great talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you.